Okay, so Shalom Aleichem to everybody. Uh, we are continuing with the laws of Hilchot Nida. We ended the Shirim of possibilities of problematic Chatzitzot, a Chatzitza and interposition. And, um, and now we're going to, today, we're going to focus on two Halachot. One of them is the actual mikveh itself, and the other is a preparation before going to the mikveh. Uh, and as we'll see, it might be a din doraita, the rabbanan, um, and there are certain practical ramifications. So to begin with the laws of the mikvah, um, in, in halakha, we have two basic uh, types of natural uh, water gatherings. The first is something called the ma'ayan. A ma'ayan is a natural spring um, that basically is flowing from the ground. It comes from the earth. Um, and then we have something called a mikvah. A mikvah is not necessarily flowing stream. It is uh, literally gathered water. So uh, one of the criteria of a natural water that is not from a, a, a stream is that it has to be gathered. And this is a critical um, point that is going to be problematic uh, for people going to try and use rivers, for example, uh, to go to the mikveh in, because it's not clear that a river is a, uh, a stream, a mayan, that the water is coming from the ground as opposed to rainwater. Um, and if so, we'll see that there's a huge distinction between a mayan and a mikveh. A mayan doesn't need to be gathered. Um, that is the um, that is not a criteria of the mayan. Whereas opposed to mikveh, the water cannot be flowing. So how does the Shulchan Aruch rule? Says the Shulchan Aruch in Yeredea, It cannot be bath water, etc. For her going to sit in a bathtub is not going to help. Her entire body needs to be immersed. The main mikvah, right, either in a mikvah, which we said was gathered natural water, or mayan, or a stream, and the stream, and, and both of them have to have seah, 40 seah, certain volume of water. The way you, you can work out if there's uh, approximately 40 seah is it's an amma. Nama is approximately a handbreadth, right? By an amma and the height of three amot. Um, so, so that would be oh, someone left his phone in the in the bait midrash. One second. <laughs> Apologies. Um, so the the Shulchanach is basically giving us a, a, a way of kind of gathering uh, what it means to have polisar. It's uh, uh, approximately, if you were to take a big bath and fill it up, that would approximately be 40 seah, right? Um, 
and uh, and then the Shulchan Aruch says, "V'tzarich." Um, yeah, in principle, "V'imu rachav yoter ve'no gavoy yoter." That and therefore, a woman can't really stand and and submerge herself. In the end of the day, it's still kosher. Right? In the end of the day, in yecholal lechasot kol gufa ba'en bevatachat. I but the effect of this situation is: Can a woman submerge simultaneously under the water? That is enough as long as there's potzi se'ah. No matter how the uh, building is is running. Okay. Now, and and that might be important. For example, if let's say a woman is trying to use a a stream to go to the mikvah, um, a stream might be quite shallow. But obviously, it's it's uh, got a lot more than forty cr, but it still needs to cover her entire body um, on that level. Now, it says regarding the mikvah, right? Basically, uh, uh, she needs to have a span of that the water is above her navel. Now, the question is, what uh, what this uh, this definition of a zeret is? Zeret in general is a finger width, right? Um, so, how much is that? It could be half a cubit. It's not so. It's not so clear. The point is, it has to come up uh, quite a lot. So he says, look, a woman at the water has to be quite high in order for a woman to submerge. Again, Billy Evid, in all types of scenarios where women can't go to a mikveh and they're using all types of streams, etc. So in that case, these uh, parameters uh, are only and not Billy Evid. The, uh, the Shulchan Aruch points out then, as we said, that the laws of the mikveh that they have to be gathered is only if it's not a stream. But Mayan says the Shulchan Aruch, that a stream is okay even if it is flowing. However, a make shamim, rainwater, and this is the problem using rivers. Rivers are not clear whether they are rainwater or whether they are a spring. Um, and how do you work it out? And therefore, to use a river, one should, first of all, one should try not to use a river, as we'll see, there are other problems using rivers. But let's say a woman's in a certain area, there's no kosher mikvah, and that's the only uh, choice that she has, is to use a river. And here we have to be careful that uh, if, it's not if it's considered rainwater, then you actually have to close off the river. You have to almost close it off with certain walls in the river, and only then could she go to the mikvah. Look how Rab, uh, um, uh, Eliyahu points this out. Rab Mordechai, gathered water. And if there's a crack in the mikvah, and if there's a crack in the mikvah to the point that water can drizzle out and leak out, that would be a very problematic that would turn the mikvah into being passed. 
if a woman thinks that the water is, is basically leaking out, Okay, so that is a uh, general, we, we see that when it comes to a mikvah, one of the uh, um, paramount definitions of a mikvah is that the water has to be uh, kind of contained. Now, the question is, uh, often, let's say, people go on holiday, and they're going on holiday. Um, in Israel, it's nearly the, 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 the long uh, summer break. People, I don't know, this year, people are going overseas, but often people go to different places, um, and a woman needs to go to the mikveh, and there's no mikveh. Uh, however, there is an ocean. Can a woman use an ocean, the sea, as a mikveh? Now, uh, we'll see that the Gemishna says, although we said one of the uh, critical elements of a mikvah is that it has to be contained water. But the Mishnah tells us, all of the seas are considered contained. Why? The Torah describes it. The gathering of the water. Kodesh Baruch kind of gathered the water and did not let it go over the, 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 the shoreline. And because of that, it is considered gathered water, even though it's a huge gathering. And therefore, a uh, the seas are considered kosher. And that's lichora, how we pass it. However, says the Gemara in Nida, Samach Bab, that a woman should not immerse herself at the port or in the port of the sea. Now, it's not so clear. Is, is, now, Rav Shmubar Rav Yitzchak is not uh, contradicting the Mishnah. The Mishnah told us that the sea is a good mikvah. So what's the problem? And here we have a machlok Rishoni. Rashi understands that according to Rav Shmuel Bar Yitzchak, he specifically, he didn't say the sea, he said the port. What is the problem with the port? Says Rashi, Makom The problem is, is that the, the ships come into the port and they cause a lot of the mud to come up and that causes the water to become murky and muddy and that is going to uh, be on the woman's body and create a chatzitza. And because of that, it's a problem. Rabbi Nutam understood it completely different. Rabbi Nutam said, no, the problem over here is the Rabbi Nutam nirek. Kaperush Rabbi That what? Lotit amal. The problem of going to the mikveh in an amal, in a port, it's because it's a public area. And therefore, and a woman is going to be very scared uh, because of her embarrassment. And she's going to do the immersion in a very hasty manner. People are going to say, oh, look, she's going to the mikvah. Yeah. What, what does it mean? She would wear a very um, loose uh, garment. But people will, will, will know that she's going to the mikvah. And because of that, she will uh, be frightened. And uh, it's not, it's, that is the problem according to Rabbi Nitam. How does the Shulchan Aruch rule? 
is it because of the muddy water or is it because people are shall be fat and their people will see it? Says the Shulchan Aruch in Kuf Tzadichet, Sif Lamed Gimel and Sif Lamed Dalet. Firstly, it's a problem where there is mud and it's going to cause a chatzitza. If you put some type of mat underneath it, then that would be okay on one condition. The mat has to be has to be a natural substance that is not makabal's tumah. Something like schach, if you can imagine taking a piece of your uh, schach and uh, and using it as a mat. The im tavla, and if she went to the mikvah without putting a mat down, that it's going to be a problem, and the the mikvah didn't work. Uh, that is the shit of what we saw. We saw this was the shit of Rashi, but it's not the majority opinion. Then the Shulchan Aruch quotes, up until now he's quoted the problem of going to Rashi. quotes the problem according to Rabbeinu Lam. She should not, um, she should do a... Uh, You're on mute. You have to unmute. Oh, okay. Okay, I've unmuted. Okay, can everyone everyone see my page? So let's just look at the dark attire of Mordechai Eliyahu. He summarizes this uh, very nicely. He says like this, if Charlotte Bolbemayan or Biyam, a person, a woman, can go to a spring or a sea, if she needs to, most of the times these happen when people are doing Teolim and they're on holiday resorts, etc. And obviously there's no kosher mikveh in the vicinity. But she should definitely first check with the rab. Again, a stream might be very complicated. You have to see whether it's a river, whether it's a stream, um, whether uh, what exactly is the nature of the river. So one has to be careful about that as well. And then secondly, when she does go to a stream or a sea, number one, we saw that was the shita, the concern of Rashi. 
And number two, she cannot go with a costume. A costume, as we saw, could be a problem of a chatzitza. She should wear some type of uh, coat, a, 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 a very loose coat or something like that. And number three, she should do it where there aren't people and therefore she will not be anxious and, and, and rush the tefillah. Number four, that a friend of hers goes with her and checks that all of her hair is immersed uh, under the water. And number three, and number five, now going into the sea, 30 centimeters above one's, uh, above one's navel is quite deep. Um, so if that's difficult or scary, um, then she should uh, uh, go to the mikveh lying, uh, go to the sea lying down. Um, and we said that that was okay in the end of the day, right? But not curled up, uh, that she, she, she should be uh, almost uh, not tightly bound up. Okay, that's the end of... Uh, Question? Yes. I, I assume a sea, it's a, similar to a lake. Or a lake is similar to a sea. Uh, no, no. A lake, a lake might be different. A lake, um, like for example, the Kinneret. The Kinneret technically is a lake. It's not a sea. Not so pashut that it's a that it's a lake. I'll tell you why. Because the Kinneret is a good example, right? The Kinneret continues on to the Jordan, right? right. Meaning, meaning that we call it a lake, but one could argue that it's really a flowing river. Now, if it's a flowing river, then the heter of the sea wouldn't apply because we said that the difference between a sea and a stream versus a body of water such as a river is that the sea, you don't have to contain the water. And a stream, you don't have to contain the water. But a river, you have to contain the water to turn it into a mikvah. Now, um, when it comes to lakes, I, 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 I don't know, but I imagine there are streams coming in and out of it. And, and, and therefore, although we call it a lake, um, it could be considered a river moving. In which case, that would be very problematic just to, to use the Kinneret, for example, just to go into the water of the Kinneret as going into the Mediterranean Sea. Um, I think that would be very problematic. So I'm not an expert on lakes, but I imagine most lakes do have tributaries leaving from them. Um, uh, I imagine. I imagine all lakes in the end of the day lead to the sea. Um, but I, I don't know. In, in which case... A lake would would be maybe considered a river, and you can't assume that uh, it's got the same din as the sea. That you don't have to have to worry about the problem of the ashbore. Um, uh, and so, from my limited knowledge of lakes, I think that we do consider consider them rivers, and that would be a problem unless you you created some type of walls in such a lake. Um, I think you have to check into the Kinneret because the Kinneret, they, they put a dam. 
so that the water doesn't go into the uh, Jordan River. Okay, so that, that would be an interesting trial. If, if they've closed up the, the, the Kinneret, but I don't think it's closed completely. Meaning the water's still flowing. All they do is they monitor how much water is flowing. So the bottom line is, um, and this is why it's critical that before a woman uh, wants to go to the mikveh in one of these natural um, springs, rivers, uh, oceans, Again, it's not Lechatchila, but in the place where there isn't, she has to check with the Rav, and the Rav has to check out exactly what the nature of this body of water is. Because the real Nafkamina is, does it have to be Ba'ashboren? Do we have to, do, do we have to uh, ensure that the water is not flowing or not? So, and also, by the way, but I think the Black Sea, for example, is halakhically not considered a sea. Um, so it's a bit tricky. So you have to be careful how you, uh, as far as I know, the Black Sea is basically a lake. Uh, and again, it has tributaries that flow into that flow into the ocean. So that again would be a very uh, problematic thing to go and use it as a sea without ensuring that there are those um, uh, walls or, or, or containment of the, of the water. Okay, let's move on to the next topic uh, for today. Uh, any other questions? Okay, so let's move on to the next topic, which is uh, a topic that um, many people don't even know that it's a halakhic requirement. It's, it's kind of assumed that it's a, uh, I suppose, the people, but we'll see that there's actually, the din of khafifa is actually washing or we'll try and define what exactly is actually a halacha. We'll see whether it's the right or the rabbanan. And it's based on the Gemara in Babatama Paybet. Says the Gemara, Asara Takanot Tiken Ezra. Ten different decrees Ezra and his Beitin instituted. Now, what were they? One of them is Vishatehei Ishach Ofefet Vitovelet. That before a woman goes to the mikvah, she does Chafifa. I'm going to hope I will try and define it uh, more exactly as we go on. Also, Gemara, isn't that the writer? The Tanya, the Rachat said, meaning the Pasuk says that the water has to come in contact with her entire body. That there should be no interposition between the water and the flesh. And et basaro et atafel basaro That also includes the hair. And the assumption is, if you don't wash, then you're going to have a chatzitza. So, so therefore, it's almost a, a Torah obligation. So says the Gemara. No, Amri the oraita liyune dilmamikta. The Torah obligation is actually to do something called iyun. Iyun is basically an inspection. A woman has to inspect herself or perhaps her hair and that she doesn't have any knots, any chatzitzot. Inami maus midei mishum right? So either she has to, uh, because there's a knot or there's some type of uh, uh, dirt, some repulsive substance connected to her. So what did Ezra be 
Midoraita, she just has to inspect herself. Right? And comes along, um, comes along Ezra and his baiting, and they institute that she actually has to do chafifa. Now we've translated chafifa as some type of preparatory washing. You look at Rashi, Rashi say, uses the word bimasreik, right? Masreik sounds to be combing with a, with a hairbrush. So let's see, let's see how the Rishonim understand this Gemara. The Rosh says as follows. Vedin Khafifa, the law of Khafifa, Katav Rav Shmaya Bashem Rashi, the Have Khafifa Have Bakolagov. First of all, the requirement of Khafifa, we're going to call it washing, is the entire body. Kedamrin and Perikol Kitve, Mishaya Lo Shem, Katuv al Basaro, Hareze Lo Yahuf, person who has Shem Hashem on his body. So the Gemara says over there, Lo Yahuf, he can't go and immerse. Because that will inevitably and invariably cause Shem Hashem to be wiped out. But over there, obviously, it's talking about immersing his entire body, not his hair. However, the Rosh says the girsa is later hatam, but we don't have that girsa. Our girsa is lo yirchot, not lo yachuf. And therefore, he says Rabbeinu Tam Piresh, Rabbeinu Tam holds the chafifa lo shaycha el berosh. That according to Rabbeinu Tam, the din of chafifa, of washing, applies specifically to hair, specifically on one's head, but any place in the body where there is a group of hair together, under the armpits, etc. And Rabbeinu Tam proves it, that basically anytime we see shas, that the that the the Gemara uses this verb lachuf, it is referring to washing hair, not washing the body. Also in modern Hebrew, if I'm not mistaken, we talk about chafifata rosh, uh, that we uh, wash one's hair. We don't talk about chafifata guf, as far as I know. Um, and perhaps that is uh, that is influenced by the Talmud and as Rabbi Nutam. Is telling us that this is really a, a verb used for the hair, and therefore this is din in hair. And therefore, what does the Rosh complain, uh, um, conclude? The Rosh concludes, lachuf kol gufan kasheru. Even though, according to Rabbeinu Tam, the rabbinic decree is of Ezra is only to wash one's hair, not Israel have accepted upon themselves the minag to wash all of their, their, their entire body, uh, following the sheet of Rashi. And he says it's a good minag. Now, the Rashba adds a, a few points that it's worthwhile pointing out. He says like this. Let's look at the second paragraph. Ezra and his Beitin instituted all gatherings of hair on the body, and combs it with a hairbrush, or she rubs uh, the hair with her hand. So the Rashba is actually adding something that we, we mentioned uh, possibly in the name of Rashi, 
There seems to be a requirement of actually combing the hair, either with a comb or at least go, running through the hair with one's fingers. And then he says, Now he adds two other things. Number one, although Me'ikar Adin says the Rashba, the Takana was only on places of hair gatherings, um, nevertheless, the Minag of Benot Yisrael is to, in, to wash the entire body. And then he adds the Maim Chamin with hot water. Now, this requirement of hot water, we didn't see before, but we'll see that the Achronim are very, very makpid about this, as we'll see. There's the Shulchan Aruch in Yeradea, Kufaditet, Shricha Lisrok So the Shulchan Aruch is also adopting the obligation of using some type of comb. And a woman also has to do iyun, inspect herself and her flesh. And she checks herself uh, before going into the mikvah. That there shouldn't be any substance that is repulsive that would be considered a chatzitza on her body. And she should wash with hot water. So we've seen from, if I were to summarize up until now, Midoraita, the Gemara says she has to inspect her body. Midorabanan, she has to wash. What does she have to wash? According to Rashi, her entire body, according to the Rashba and the Rabbeinu Tam, only the parts of her body that have a gathering of hair, meaning her head under the armpits, the genitalia area, that would be an obligation midrabanan. Over and above the obligation to wash, it also includes combing the hair and using hot water, right? Um, and, and what does the shulchan, uh, the, the shach says? That the obligation of using a comb is only for the, the, the hair on her head. But the rest of the gatherings of the hair, she can she can just check with her hand, and that's that's good enough. Now the Mar, Mar, um, the Mare Cohen adds that it doesn't help for a woman right to to comb her hair and then get into the bath and wash. She actually has to do the opposite. Says says Mare Cohen, Rav Ruben. The combing should be taking place after the washing. When the hair is still wet. But if you use the comb before, when the hair is dry, that's quite a strong uh, um, opinion there that we saw that the din of, of, of the chafifa includes a comb, but the mare kohen says if she didn't do it afterwards, then that uh, she hasn't fulfilled her obligation of chafifa. We mentioned that one of the conditions is that the water has to be hot. Now, where does this come from, that water has to be hot? And it's actually a gemara in Nida, Samachvat, Vamar Meimash, Meidorova, Isha lo tachuf ele that a woman specifically has to use hot water. 
ואפילו בחמי חמה, even if it was water heated by the sun, אבל לא בצונן. But you can't use cold water. עושה גמרא מי טיימה לא? And the Gemara answers in uh, 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 quite an ambiguous answer. Mishum de Kariri umashre mezaya. Because it's cold and it causes the hair to harden. Now, not so clear what that means. Explains Rashi. Makshin etasarot ven lichlochanove. Rashi holds that cold water hardens the, the uh, hair as we translated it. And because of that, the, the, um, the dirt is not going to run out. But the Rambam understands it differently. The Rambam says, The problem with cold water is that it causes the, the hair to be knotted. It causes, uh, uh, I suppose, um, the hair to curl. And because it uh, causes the hair to curl, that is, it's prone or uh, likely that the hair is going to become knotted. And that is the, the problem. Whatever the problem is, the Shulchan Aruch Haskins, like the Rambam. Even water from the, um, uh, even water uh, heated by the sun. Now, another interesting uh, discussion, and this is where you see a change uh, based on um, um, situations, is the Gemara says that a woman shouldn't use the soap when she goes to bath. Now, in the times of the Gemara, what was the soap? The soap was basically they used to use sand. So the Amarava, basically a woman, she can't use natron, which was some type of uh, um, uh, substance that removed dirt. Um, but we would probably call it mud today. Right? And, and uh, because of this, it's going to cause the, uh, it might be considered a chatzita. And this is how the Shulchan Aruch Haskins. But again, the Shulchan Aruch, uh, 500 years ago, the, the ladies were also using sand to clean themselves. Um, we see this also in, in Hilchot uh, Kashrut, when the Shulchan Aruch talks about, you know, how to clean the pots and pans. He, he's using, they, they were using sand, uh, pretty much. You know, they, they didn't have soap. So based on this, the question is like this. Should a woman, when she baths before the mikvah, should she use shampoo and conditioner and all of these uh, uh, modern uh, accessories. Says Rav Rubin, She should not use uh, accessories that are going to cause the hair to become knotty. However, but the shampoos and everything that we have, our soaps and shampoos and conditioners is not a problem. Now, Rab Eliashif Knoll adds, what about conditioner? Because um, from what I understand, um, not that I'm, you know, have any hair that I would ever need to use conditioner, but, uh, but um, from from what I understand, 
many uh, many ladies actually don't take off all of the conditioner completely. Um, and therefore it kind of stays on the hair. So that might be a problem. So says Rav Knol, that conditioner actually can help get rid of the knots, etc. But one should be careful after using conditioner to get rid of all the conditioner. Now then he says like this, this chomer that remains afterwards, right, is not considered a chatzitza. It is not considered a real substance um, that has any significance that remains on the hair. Remember, if we go back to the opinion of cosmetics um, between the Rosh and the Rashba, one of the heterium that we saw was that ein bo mamashut. That's not considered chatzitza according to the Rosh and the Rashba if there is no substance to the material. And therefore, says Rav Knoll, once you have washed off the conditioner, even if there's some uh, residue that remains on the hair, it's not considered uh, to be of substance and therefore wouldn't be a problem. Um, now, we saw from here that you have to wash in hot water. Says Rama, call ze lechatchila. Aval, this is only lechatchila. Im chafafa benetev. But if she used natron or sand, b'chayot zebo, v'rata ba'atzma she'en sarot shelakshurim u'mesubachin shari. But if she just, in the end of the day, she did the inspection and she felt that, you know, she didn't find any knotted hair, that would also uh, be acceptable, right? And uh, okay, then there's just a few more uh, specifics that a woman really has to to uh, clear out uh, under her arm and all the the places where where things can get uh, gather, and she basically has to check herself um, and and uh, do that carefully. Let's move on to. Um, uh, a, a very common, I would, I would say, minag, etc., and that is for women to specifically use a bath and not a shower. Where does this come from? Says Mare Kohen, to specifically use a bath. And why is that? She could use a shower as well. It is a good minag. Because the water by um, staying in the water, it allows all the dirt to be removed.
Apologies. Can you hear me? Okay, Donna, my internet has been very shaky. I apologize. Let's uh, let's pick up with the Ramban. Okay, so I just this is very important to Ramban. The Ramban says, Don't run after every chashash safek that maybe this is going to be a chatzitza and therefore the, the, the mikvah wasn't good. There really is, there's no end to how particular one can be. Of the woman that washed her hair, the sarkab and she's used the comb, and she washed her body with hot water. And she's careful not to that no interposition she came in contact with. And she goes into the mikvah not as a bundle, but spreading out her limbs. That is good enough. Don't start looking for chumras. Maybe she closed her eyes too tight. Or pressed her lips together too tight. And all types of these svekot. He says, don't worry about it. We don't have to worry about these things. Um, now, one other thing, uh, I'm not sure if we'll be able to, let, let's see how we can go regarding the end of the minute. The timing of Hafifah, and this is a major topic. Um, so let's see how we can, uh, let's see uh, if we can get through it. The Gemara in Nida Samachet says, Darash Rabbah, Shabbat. That a woman can basically wash herself Erev Shabbat and do the tefillah on Motzei Shabbat. We've heard the opposite. And, and, and how could you say such a thing? According to what's the problem? How could it be that a woman would do the Khafifa in the day and do the Tvila uh, at night? Because we need there to be some type of juxtaposition. They need to have become chronologically very close together. And here that's not possible. So let's just skip to the halacha, the Hilchata. Says the Gemara. The halacha is a woman can do the washing in the day and go to the mikveh at night. And the halacha is the woman should only wash at night. Seemingly contradictory, says the Gemara. It's not a contradiction. Depends whether it's possible or not. Now, had Efshar, had the law Efshar, and the gears of the Gemara over here is a machloket rishonim, how to read it. And we'll see that there's a machloket rishonim, um, exactly what the Gemara is saying is what's ideal and what's not ideal, but you can do it anyway when it's not possible. Rashi explains, had the Efshar, lachuf bayom, chofefet bayom, that where she can do the chafifa in the day, that is the preference, and she should do it in the day. When's it not going to be possible? For example, Motzei Shabbat. Motzei Shabbat, she definitely can't wash on Shabbat. 
and for her to wash on Fridays is, is not good enough. And therefore, since she cannot wash, the, the washing on the Friday is not going to help her. So EF Shar, so she washes on Motzei Shabbat. Had the law EF Shar, explains Rashi, Lachuf Bayom, Kogon Motzei Shabbat, Bayom Top. So in that case, since she cannot go and wash on Shabbat, she has to wash on Motzei Shabbat. So she has no choice other than to wash at night. According to Rashi, a woman should always wash during the day. Only Bidi Ebed should she wash at night. The, the way the gears of our Gemara stands as we have it, it's difficult to fit Rashi's understanding in, in the wording of the Gemara as we have it. But Rashi seems to have a different gears. However, um, there, Rashi explains what's the problem. Right? And, but if, so, so why is that? If it's, uh, <clears throat> if she can only wash at night, we concern that she's not going to wash at night properly. A woman is anxious to get home, either to be with her husband or she is, there are security threats. Um, and because of that, she's going to be rushing. And since she's going to be rushing at night, because of these things, we're concerned she's not going to wash properly. That is how Rashi understands the problem of washing during at night. And that's why he concludes wherever possible, one, a woman should be washing during the day. However, the Rashba quotes the Shi'iltot. He says the opposite. For them, it is preferable to wash during the day. Why? As Rashi said, if she washes at night, we're concerned that she's not going to wash properly. But now we say, the mechaf balayla tve adit. It sounds like washing at night is preferable. Up until now, the Rashi was basically quoting um, the Shitta of how Rashi understood But then he quotes, Again, the Rashi is basically quoting the Shitta of Rashi. But if it's not possible, then she does it during the day. But Sheiltot had the opposite. The Sheiltot says as follows, the Rosh. Sorry. Yeah, according to the Sheiltot, as opposed to Rashi, the preference is actually to wash during the... Uh, the night and not during the day. And what's the problem of washing during the day? The problem is, is that it's not samuch. It's not juxtaposed on a, 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 from a time pe period. 
And that's problematic. So the question is, am, what, what's more of a concern? That if I'm washing during the day, I will do a better job, but it's going to be further away from when the woman actually goes to the mikvah. Alternatively, I prefer a woman to wash during the day because I know she's going to do a better job, even though it's, prefer it's, it's not. So that seems to be a machloka between Rashi and the Shi'iltot. How does the Shulchan Aruch Paskin? Sorry, before we get to the Shulchan Aruch, the Rosh says, Gam le perusha We said again, according to the Shi'iltot, the preference is to wash at night. Nagumi nashim shelanu. They start their preparations while it's still day. And then they cover both opinions. Even though they wash themselves, they still comb themselves. The soreket the veitatfila, and they carry the comb to the mikvah, and they do the shrika according to the rosh at the actual mikvah. How does the shulchan aruch paskin? Chafifat shrichal yod lachatchila samuk latfilata has to be close, right? Um, <clears throat> just before her immersion. So what does that mean? Ba minag hakasha, the proper correct minag is shetatchil lachof mi bodyon. She starts her preparation while it's still day. And she goes with it until nightfall. And then she can um, go to the mikvah. Even though she's already washed, she take a comb to the mikvah. But in a time of need, where she needs to do the khafifa during the day, or she can't do the skilaim starting in the day, ending at night. According to the Ramah, she can do either the day or the night. But the condition is if she does it at night, she has to do it properly and not rush to, um, to, to do it. Now, what does Samuch mean? We said that it should be samuch, it should be uh, just before she goes to the mikvah. So Ravosna points out that when we talk about samuch in general in shas or in halacha, it's chatzisha, it's half an hour. Mincha, svirata omer, bedikat chametz is always considered half an hour. Then says Ravosna, achleinyan ze, but regarding this din, katav shol meishiv. That Rav, uh, I think it's Rav David Svi Hoffman. Uh, oh. Ah, Rav Nathanson. Sorry, Rav, uh, Rav Nathanson. Um, he uh, he passed. The Kabbalah the Shalot Shaot that that it's uh, that it's three hours. That's considered Samuchlat Filata. Uh, however, says Ravosna Lechatchila, uh, one should one should do it uh, um, you know closer than uh, not use three hours. Um, but then says Ramon Cheliyahu, because the a woman that knows she'll be able to. I don't know, the kids are not home or whatever. She'll be able to to prepare better. 
רק שתיזהר ותשמור עצמם מדברים החוצצים על התפילה. You just need to be careful not to uh, use, uh, not to come in contact with, uh, you know, start uh, preparing supper with all types of things that are going to consider mafia chatzitza. וכן יכולה לאכפוף בלילה אם ביום היא ממהרת ותשודה. And similarly she can also wash at night if the event, you know, during the day she's, she's got work and the kids are there. But if at night, you know, she's got, she's more relaxed, she'll have time to prepare. And the preparation, says Ramon Echeliyahu, should be an hour. Um, now, the question is, how critical it has to be starting the day and do at night? And Rav Mordechai Eliyahu is basically saying, look, today, um, many of the concerns are not there. For example, Rashi was saying uh, that perhaps there's uh, got to be a rush to get home. Now, why is there a rush to get home? If it's because there's security concerns. So look, uh, unfortunately, there still are certain areas, even in Israel, where there might be concern, security concerns. Um, there was a famous psak. Uh, just, I think, two weeks ago, that the woman of Lod could go uh, to the mikveh during the day, on the eighth day, because of security concerns. So I'm not saying there aren't uh, security, uh, um, security concerns. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that is also the psak of women of Hebron. Um, if there's a security concern to go to the mikveh by themselves at night. Um, so there are places where, the, the, where there really is security concerns. However, if the problem is that, um, uh, you know, in today's time, if she's doing it in the um, comfort of her own home, uh, or even, you know, there aren't these concerns. So according to Ramon Eliyahu, the point is, it has to be where she's going to be able to wash in the most relaxed and comfortable manner to achieve the best results. Um, and that is, that is the major thing. So a woman doesn't have to start taking off work in the middle of the day and the, the kids are still at home, et cetera, and it's very problematic for her to start doing her mikvah preparations. Uh, but nevertheless, hamachvir, uh, uh, there is uh, room to be machmir. Um, but the ikar is, as we said, she needs to do the washing, do the inspection, at which we saw the eon could be a dindor writer and go to the tefillah, and as long as she's taken the necessary precautions, as the Ramban said, she doesn't have to worry about every single possibility that something could have gone wrong. Okay, so we'll stop there for today. Bezrat Hashem, next week, we'll pick up regarding what happens on Motzei Shabbat, Motzei Yom Tov, Yom Tov Sheni Shel Galiot, and all types of things like that. Okay, Yasha Koach. I have a question. Yes. Are we going to be doing anything on Shemitah? Yes, we will uh, in volume 10. Volume 10, we'll be putting something in regarding Shemitah. It well, won't be, uh, there, there are going to be three or four Shirim on Shemitah. It's not, a, uh, not going to be absolutely comprehensive like, uh, like most of the things that we deal with. Okay? When do we do volume 10? What, what volume, volume are we up to now? We, this is volume 7. Seven. In 13th, we'll be starting volume 8. 
And then uh, sometime in September, we'll be starting volume nine and December, around December or January, we'll be starting volume 10. We can't do the uh, Shemitah earlier to start before Rosh Hashanah. That would be uh, ideal. Yeah, the problem is that volume nine is already uh, getting published. Uh -huh. okay. okay. All right. Okay. Of but by the way, most of the problems of Heta Mechira only kick in a few, you know, uh, at least for fruit, a few months into it. And vegetables also, you've got a few weeks. Okay. okay. Anyway. Shakrach. Oh,